we're in the first month of the year. This is a, not only a time when we receive first fruit offering, but sometime in uh, November as I was praying about the first of the year, I felt like God spoke this word to me in prayer. I kept saying, God, what are you saying about 19? What are you saying to our church? What are you saying to us? What do you want me to say? And I, I felt like God spoke to me in prayer one day. He said, I want you to tell them the blessing is in the basics. The blessing is in the basics. Now, when you say that, deep people get offended that you would retreat to such basic things, but you can't get much deeper than a foundation. Like, how many would agree that the foundation is deep? We got work going on in our house right now because of some issues in the foundation of a, of a, of a wall, and this retaining wall that we had built was 19 feet tall. And they had to dig out 19 feet of dirt. But when you got down to the bottom of that, you can't get no deeper than the foundation. And the reason some people can't be blessed and walk in the blessing is not because they don't get a deep word. It's because they don't establish their life on a proper foundation. And so before we go any deeper, let's just get to the foundation and make sure we know that if we're going to have a blessed year, there are some things that God has already told us to be engaged in. And it don't take a prophetic word for you to apply any of this. You don't even have to go, you don't even have to go ask God if this is for you. This is for everybody. Look at somebody and tell them, this is for you. And I want us to go to Matthew chapter 6 today, and then I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, I'm, I'm, I wondered why it wasn't a whole lot more than what God gave me, but I, I believe I know why now. Worship was just so powerful today. And the presence of God was moving, and the, the power of Jesus was moving in this place, and lives were changed, and people were already saved. And I want to tell you this right now. We're going to have an opportunity before we leave today for people to come to this altar and meet Christ as Lord. And I want to tell you, it don't matter what you've done and how long you've been doing it, Jesus is the best friend every sinner's ever had. And you didn't come into this room today. You didn't come in here today. Ain't nobody going to judge you, condemn you, ask you where you've been and what you've been up to. At the end of the day, all of us have had to be delivered from some mess. And today the good news is Jesus will deliver everybody who asks him from the mess. Somebody say amen. So that's going to happen today before we leave. And if you're in this place and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, he's not the Lord of your life, I've already given them instructions. You can't run out of here without meeting Jesus as Lord. If you try to get out, the ushers are going to carry you back to the altar. Praise God. I'm kidding. Okay, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6 with me right now. And I want you to look at verse 5. So we're in a series called The Blessing is in the Basics. Today I'm going to talk about prayer. Because how many know if you don't have a prayer life, you won't have a blessed life? Look at your neighbor and say, if you don't have a prayer life, you won't have a blessed life. And when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Oh, Lord. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, somebody say, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you publicly or openly. Now how many know you can go through private warfare, but if you ever go through private warfare, you're going to have a public victory. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. I said you might wrestle with a lion and a bear behind the scenes, but when you kill the giant, everybody in the nation is going to know it was God. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Baby, I think you mentioned this in your opening uh, prayer time this morning. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think 
that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. How many know that's good news? In this manner, you ought to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebtors against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Ephesians 2. Can you handle some more scripture? Ephesians 2. Spirit of the living God, I thank you. Somebody say, why do you do that? You just talk to God. Because when you feel it, you got to say thank you. Well, I didn't feel it. Well, it wasn't you. He touched. It was me. So I said thank you. How many ever felt God do something and nobody else felt him doing it? And then you, you responded and they looked at you like you was crazy. You just have to look at them like, I know it didn't happen for you, but it just happened for me. So I had to throw my hands up and say, thank you, Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? All right, watch this. Now look at verse number 18. Uh, let's start with 17. And Jesus came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who are near. Look at verse 18. I'm going to read a few more after it, but I want you to zero in on this. For through Jesus... We both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, I'm getting ready to unpack that thing right there. Look at verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple into the Lord in whom you also are being built together. To, somebody say together. And if you like coffee, you need to go to the Together Cafe. See, God will advertise for you right here in Ephesians chapter 2. Can we thank God for the free publicity? Every news channel in Chattanooga has been through that place and given us free air. Y'all, come on. And they put it on the front page of the region in the newspaper, and they just wanted to testify. I love this phrase I heard. Uh, Cindy, what's her name? Sexton. Cindy Sexton from WRCB said this. They're not making a profit, but they are making a difference. So if you like coffee, come to the Together Cafe. Okay, some of y'all thought I lost the anointing because I did that. In whom you're also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. How many know God doesn't just come to buildings? God comes to a right building when the spirit is right. And I thank God what he's doing here. How many know he's doing something that allows him just to come and dwell in this place? I want to talk today about prayer for a few moments about prayer. When you pray, Father... I come to you now in the name of Jesus asking you for the grace to teach and to preach. You've called me to preach and I said, yes, Lord. Now I'm asking you to send the anointing that makes the difference. I thank you for these mighty, mighty men and women of God. Some of them are mightier than they know. Today I pray as we discuss the subject of prayer that the platitudes and the, the truths about prayer, Lord, it wouldn't just be about principles of prayer that we grasp but it would become that we are pregnant with a spirit of prayer that we have a praying spirit that we be a praying people who don't just know about prayer but we know how to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus we pray everybody said amen so we talking about the basics and that's what I'm going through for the next several weeks because I do believe your blessing is in the commitment to the basics, I talked to you last week briefly about Matthew's gospel. Jesus is saying in Matthew's gospel, the seventh chapter, that there was a man who built his house upon the sand and a man who built his house upon the rock. And the foundation that they built on determined the success, the viability, the efficiency, uh, and the, uh, the greatness of that house. If you want to have a successful 
great year, how many would agree you have to establish this year on right foundations? And some of us really need to take an inventory and evaluate what we do with our time and what we do with the resource of time. Uh, I want you to know that the most valuable resource you have is not money. It's not influence with people. The most valuable resource you have is the resource of time. When you spend it, you can't get it back. When it's gone, it cannot be recovered. And so you have to make sure that you are investing your time in, in significant and important ways. And, and I, I don't want to drill down on this, and I'm not trying to give some sort of, uh, not, not, not trying to capture some sort of uh, clip here for, for media, but really we need to be careful how much time we spend on social media. That's what I thought was going to happen when I said that. Really, we have some time. People say, I don't have time to pray. I bet you do. I bet it's just that you have other things you wish uh, to use your time for rather than prayer. I want to say this to you. You have to, prayer will not come automatically. You will have to deny some things and decide some things to pray. If you're going to have a prayer life, you will have to deny some things and decide some things. And you will have time to pray, but prayer is, is, it must be made a priority. In fact, some of us, if we just woke up 20 minutes earlier, we would have time to pray. But the reality of it is prayer, prayer can be a challenge for people in the church. How many in this room have ever found it challenging to pray? Okay, don't, I, I'm lifting my hand. I, 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 there, there are times in my life prayer has been easy. There are times in my life prayer has been a challenge. And I want to make sure you understand as we ease in this day, and we're just talking about right now just laying the right foundation, and I, I'm not trying to persuade you to get a prayer life. I'm trying to explain why the enemy, but the flesh is weak. Because when it comes to prayer, it, 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 it is something that can be a challenge because we find ourselves so distracted, we find ourselves so overcome by, by the things of this world, and really if you're going to pray, you have to decide to pray, and you have to make decisions on what you're going to prioritize, and then you have to deny some things, because there are some things that will impede on your, t let me say it like this, there are some people that will impede on your prayer time. Anybody know that to be true? And so when, you be, when it comes to this issue of prayer, it's so much easier to talk about prayer and preach about prayer and even shout about the principles of prayer. And we have people who have prayer notebooks but don't pray. And they know what happens when they pray and they know why they ought to pray and they know what they could unlock with, uh, you know, as they pray. But, but, but we just sometimes don't commit to that. And I'm going to tell you, there is a place in every powerful time of prayer that I, that I go into. There is a place, place in that time and space of prayer when I have to make a decision. I'm sharing a little bit about my own journey. But I have to make a decision in that moment. Am I going to bail out on the shallow end of this prayer meeting? Or am I going to press through and get into the deep place God's calling me to in this time of prayer? And every time I have ever decided, you know what, that can wait, that can wait, that can wait, but Jesus cannot wait. Every time I've made a commitment to stay in that place, heaven has opened up over my life and God has done something very significant in my heart in that time of prayer. Prayer is challenging and difficult because in many ways Satan hates you praying. Do you understand that when you begin to pray and simply stand on this planet and open up your mouth to the God of heaven, do you understand that you begin to shift and align and bring things into the reality of this world that heaven has been looking for someone on earth to get an agreement with it about? It's why Satan, the Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 10 that when Daniel began to pray on the side of a river, he asked God for the revelation about the end of days and God God heard him, this is Daniel 12, 10, 12 through 14. God said to Daniel, who was praying for the revelation from heaven, he's on earth asking heaven for a revelation about what God is trying to say to him. And the Bible said he prays and he prays. 21 days, nothing is happening on earth. And on the 21st day, an angel comes and he says to Daniel, Daniel, first of all, before I tell you what the revelation is, I want you to know something. You've been wore out, you've been stressed out, you've been dealing with this thing, you've been in this 21-day prayer meeting, you've been having a fit with this, but I need you to know something. I heard you the first day you prayed. Oh, Jesus. Isn't it good to know that even when nothing is happening on earth, heaven heard you? Even when it doesn't seem like anything is moving and shifting and there is no immediate response, I just want to tell you, you moved heaven with your 
prayer. And Satan, one of Satan's greatest weapons against a prayer life is to convince you that the time you invested in that time of prayer was a waste. And the only reason you'll ever think it's a waste is because you think it has to happen then. But I want to tell you, even when you are praying and nothing is happening, something is happening. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them something happens when you pray. Now I want to tell you that there are times I have walked into a prayer time and I have laid on my face and wept before God and cried out to God and, and, and come out of that place and within moments, within moments, God turned a situation. God healed somebody's body. But there have been other things that Devin and I have laid on our face and we've rolled in the floor and we've done it for days and weeks and months and nothing is happening and the enemy sits on your shoulder and he says, that's a waste, that's a royal waste of time. You're not making anything happen. God don't hear you. You don't have faith. I'm telling you right now, honey, the next time you start hearing that kind of voice in your mind, put your foot on the head of the devil and tell that lying devil, I don't know what it's, what it's doing. I don't know what's happening, but I refuse to keep my mouth closed and I refuse to stay in my valley without coming boldly to the throne of grace and finding help in the time of need. We we must pray. We must pray. Daniel said these words. When, when the angel showed up, he said these words. Listen to this. This is profound. He said to Daniel, I heard you the first time you prayed. And I sent the answer, but it's been tangled up in the spirit. Read it. God literally heard Daniel on earth praying. Heaven sent the answer and a demonic spirit called the Prince of Persia, which I don't have time to go into that, the Prince of Persia, which was a demon spirit, intercepted the answer on its way back to earth. Why did the answer finally get there? The angel tells Daniel, because of your words. Do you, have you ever asked God for help and didn't feel like it came? And then sometime later it came, and you wonder, what took it so long? Well, the enemy didn't want you to get the answer. But the reason it finally got there is because you refused to stop believing. Some of us have got the opinion, if I ask once and it don't happen, it ain't mine. I'm telling you, that devil is a liar. If God ever gives you a promise and you ever start believing something belongs to you and you pray and you don't get it, it doesn't mean it's not yours. It means the enemy don't want you to have it. And you know what? I just don't give a flying rip what the devil wants me to have. Jesus is the one that died to give it to me. And I think I'm just going to walk in my sonship. And I know I don't deserve it, but I think I'll praise him every time he answers a prayer. He's a prayer answering God. Prayer is not always easy because there are eternal heavy things that are on the other side of your prayers and Satan knows it, which is why he tries to keep you from doing it. And he said to Daniel, I heard you the first time you prayed. I sent it, but the prince of Persia tangled it up, but we overcame it. Hallelujah. I don't even have time. There's something powerful about prayer. And if you're struggling with prayer, doesn't mean you're not saved. If prayer is ever difficult for you, it doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. If prayer is ever challenging, it doesn't mean you're not spiritual. Here's what it means. It means you have to keep pressing into it till you learn the power of it. Because I'm going to tell you this, there'll come a point. If prayer is always a chore for you, you're not doing it right. If prayer is always a hassle, and a, where are you going? Pray. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Anybody in here got people you enjoy talking to? Some of you thought I was going to say don't enjoy talking to. No. How many in here got people in your life you love talking to? Okay. That's what prayer is supposed to be like with you and God. Now, I'm not telling you that you can't get into a place of prayer sometimes where there's war going on and you've got to militantly pray in the spirit. You've got to cast down, pull down, bind up, loose. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? But there is a place where you can get to in prayer where prayer becomes a privilege and a pleasure. 
where it's not about how loud or how long. Now, there are times when I go into prayer, it's, it's, you know, it's just a talk, me and God. There are other days I go into prayer, and it's war. And they have to walk down the hallways of the office, and I'm hollering, my music is going, and everybody's like, what in the world is going on in there? Well, it's just the way we had it today, amen? All right? You, you, you have to understand that when you commit to a prayer life at the beginning of the year and lay that foundation, it paves the way for blessing. If you want to have a blessed life, you got to have a prayer life. And I want to go through this very quickly. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus did not say, if you pray. He said, come on, when you pray. A couple of things we need to remember and we need to be aware of about prayer life that Jesus teaches us here, and I think it's very important. Number, number one, when you pray, he says, do not pray like the hypocrites, which means that hypocrites actually do pray. So not everybody praying is right with God. And what Jesus is trying to get to here is the motive of why you pray. Are you trying to pray because you want people to look at you and think, my God, she can pray. Goodness gracious, he can pray. If your motive to pray and your motive to be heard is to be heard by men and to be seen by men and not to be heard or seen by God, then God says, watch this, Jesus says this, Jesus said, when those kind of people pray for impure motives and they do spiritual things so that people will see them, Jesus says this, and I think it's fantastic, he said, they have their reward. What is the reward for a person whose prayer life is wrapped up around people and being seen? You ready for this? Their reward is the applaud of men. There are people who actually come to church and do spiritual things because they want to be approved and applauded by people. I am telling you that if you don't get anything else out of this message today, I want you to go back to, be, to being a person of prayer, not because people see you and say, wow, they're amazing people of prayer. No, I want you to go back to being a person of prayer because God says if you're a person and a man or a woman of prayer who understands that it's about me and you, I'm going to have a reward unlocked over your life and it, it may never receive the applaud or the approval of man, but I'd rather be known in heaven and hated by hell than to have a big following on a social media platform oh okay I can't go there Jesus sorry I'd rather be known by heaven and hated by hell than to be so interested in my presentation and the approval and applause of people some of us in this room today, we need to get back to praying because God is watching and God is listening and stay. Now, you think this is a rather mundane point, Pastor. There's nothing deep about this. It would blow your mind how much activity would cease in the church if we asked people to stop doing it unless they were doing it unto the Lord. Number one, don't be like the hypocrites. Well, I don't want to... That, Someone is watching me on live stream right now. There may even be people in this building who are just testing us out today. And you may some, say something like this, I don't go to church. Why? Somebody asks you why? You say because hypocrites go to church. So I ask you, do you want to go to church with hypocrites or to hell with hypocrites? Well, welcome to Redemption to the Nations. It's Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Do you want to go to church with a hypocrite? I'd rather go to church with a hypocrite than to hell with a hypocrite. They might be fake, but not everybody in here is fake. There may be weirdos and there may be charlatans, but not every preacher is a charlatan. I want to tell you right now, you better get over your excuses and fall back in love with Jesus. Stop living so horizontally. I feel like calling off and preaching right here. This thing ain't about you and them. It's about you and him. Get back to Jesus. He's the center of it all. And he is the center of your joy. Say amen, church. Sorry. Th th this thing of blaming people in the church for doing stupid things. They've been doing dumb things in the church since Jesus got on a cloud and went back to heaven. There is
is no excuse in the church for you not to be a part of it. I'm telling you right now, Jesus died for the church, bled for the church, rose again for the church. And if you're going to heaven, you're not going to heaven because you're an island under yourself. You're going to heaven because you are fitly built together to be a temple of God where God, I feel him in this building right now. I don't even know, that isn't even in my notes. Somebody needs to hear me at the first of the year. Church can't be optional. I'm going to say it again because I feel that person in here pushing back and you know, you have to understand who you're dealing with. When I feel it, I come back for it one more time. Hallelujah. Church can't be optional. Well, I don't like people in churches. Well, you're going to heaven with them. Well, you know, they're just different. Well, you are too. The beautiful thing about the body of Christ, it's a great place to hide the fallacies and the failures of life. We're not a bunch of perfect people walking around speaking in tongues. Yo, I bet if I come to your house, Brother Wallace, angels are floating around in your living room and you and Devin speak in tongues to each other. Oh no, honey, you come in my house, you're gonna hear some tongues all right, hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, nobody in here is perfect. Nobody in here's got it all together. If they're sitting out there acting like your neighbor's acting like they got it all, they don't have it all together. We're here because of the blood of Jesus. We're here because of the mercy of God. We're here because on our worst day, he's still a good God. And if you want to know how to find life, quit sitting at home telling yourself everybody in church is a hypocrite. The devil is a liar. There is a righteous remnant on this planet walking the breadth and width of this earth in the power of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah! feel like I've fixed a few things. You can't keep that attitude. You can't stay all offended and come to church twice a year and be who God called you to be. Well, I'm busy. Well, stop. Because you were not created to live on this planet as a busy businessman who never has time for the things of God or the kingdom of God or a businesswoman who never has time to... You'll lose it all. You may gain this world, but lose your soul. And what is it worth? Make a commitment to the house of God. Okay, that wasn't even in my sermon. Here we go. Don't be like the hypocrites. Where did that come from? The hypocrites. That's where them hypocrites always get a preacher on another tangent. Don't be like the hypocrites who pray and do spiritual things to be seen. This isn't about me and you. This is about you and him. The next thing he says, they do it to be seen. Uh, go to the next verse. Verse 6, please. When you pray, go into your room. Now, here's what I want to teach you. I believe everybody ought to have a place of prayer. Now, I also believe you can pray in all places at all times. Right? Young people, teenagers, they never take prayer out of school. If they took you out of school, then you might have prayer taken out of school. But as long as you're in the school, there ought to be prayer in school. Isn't it funny how the enemy wants you to think everything's going to hell in a handbasket? They took prayer out of school. No, they didn't pray, take prayer out of school. In fact, I think they, they, they woke up a giant. You get the right kind of teenager and they find out who God is, they're not afraid of anything. They'll stand up on a lunchroom lunch table and turn the whole cafeteria into a big preaching Hallelujah, I feel the Lord in this place right now. I feel like I can run through a troop and jump over a wall. Hallelujah. He said, find a place of prayer. Now, I have a place of prayer at my house, and I have a place of prayer at my office. I'm going to tell you why I have a place of prayer, because it calls to me. Every time I pass my office in my house, you walk in my house to the right, there are two doors. Devin knows that there are four chairs and a fireplace in my office. And I got one chair I sit on every time I wake up. What's that? It's yours too. Hallelujah. Yeah, I get Honey, you have anything I got? Praise the Lord. Share it all. Every time I walk by that place, every time I walk by that place, it calls me. It reminds me. I found God in that room. And he found me. And there are times I go in that room, and every time I go, it's got two doors, and I just shut the doors behind me. 
we got this thing in our house that bothers me. It's uh, this particular thing in my house. In that one room, we, we have a speaker in the ceiling in every room in the house. That morning, I was just in a normal prayer time, and something happened I didn't do. And I didn't know if it was God or the enemy or what. But the music started blaring. Scared the living daylights out of me. <laughs> 6 a.m. in the morning, and it was right here. And it was, Lord, I give you my heart. Oh, Jesus, wonderful Jesus. And we're praising God. And all of a sudden, it went, Lord, I give you my so I had the people come out and look at it. I said, that can't happen anymore. They said, you know what? Something is wrong with the modulator in your thing, and it just decides when it wants to get loud to get loud, and then it'll go down and it'll go up. And I said, oh, we have to fix that. He said, I don't know how to fix I don't know if we can fix that or not. We can disable it. I said, you can't disable my music. I have to have my music. So I got my AirPods now. I got my AirPods now, and I can holler and listen to music and gaithers as loud as I want to, and nobody has to wake up anymore. Judah waking up, oh, Daddy's music is going off again. Oh, Daddy's music is so loud. So I got it all shut off, and now I got my AirPods. And I go into my secret place, and I just spend time with the Father. You have to have a place. How many got a man cave? Anybody got like a, a, a place you watch football men? Men? Y'all are liars. <laughs> I don't watch football. You lying one day. How, how many NASCAR, whatever it is, bat, NBA, you got a favorite place? I think places are important. Some of you would get more routine with prayer if you had a place of prayer. Because if you just think prayer is something that you just do in your kitchen, and I do pray in the kitchen, but that's not my time of prayer. My time of prayer is when nothing else is going on and I'm involved with nothing else and it's just me and God in that place. Jesus says when you go into that place, shut the door behind you. This is as important as prayer itself. If you don't know how to shut the door, stuff will follow you in there. Oh my goodness, how many have ever tried to go pray and stuff just start interfering with your prayer day? And you're like, I just came to pray. And it seemed like when you decided to pray, everything started becoming urgent. Oh, y'all don't have those days, do you? I'm telling you right now, you got, and I'm going to encourage you, some of you are going to push back on this, but hear it from a person of experience, I do not like to take my phone into prayer. And if I do, I put it on airplane mode. And I'm going to tell you why. Because something will be considered very important. And I really, 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 minus just a few things on this earth, there isn't much more important thing to do than to get alone with the Father in a place of prayer, shut the world out, tell the devil no, and spend some time in the presence of the one who loves you. He said, I want you to have a place. And then he says, shut the door. And then I want you to see this. The Father who sees it, this is a principle. I've taught this before, and I'm not going to spend much time on it here, but you, do not, you need to understand something. There is a reward for a person with a prayer life. You better be careful who you hate on and how much blessing they walk in. Because people who walk in great reward are people who made great decisions and denied great things so that they could spend time with the Father. Anytime you see God blessing someone publicly, don't you ever think that it started in public. It started somewhere in a very private, intimate, secret place. I want you to know that before David was ever crowned king because he killed Goliath, he took care of a bear and a, and, and, and a lion outside of the shepherd sheep field. And when you do those kinds of things in private and are faithful when nobody's looking, I've said it like this for years and I keep on saying it. If you want to do what everybody wants to do while everybody's looking, you got to first enjoy doing what nobody wants to do while nobody's looking. Oh, that was loaded right there. There's a lot of people who say, oh, ministry, 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 CEO, president, uh, uh, big, big, big shot. Big, we want to we be that. We want to do that before you can do what everybody wants to do while everybody's looking. You got to first embrace doing what nobody wants to do. When nobody's looking. Amen. 
everybody wants to kill Goliath. Nobody wants to kill the lion and the bear messing with the sheep. But the reason God can trust you to kill a giant and be crowned a king is because he trusted you to take care of the sheep when no one's looking. And I don't have time to go into that. But if you're ever going to be successful in ministry and as a pastor or a leader, shepherds smell like sheep. I'll move on. We'll talk about that some ruach or something, okay? Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Next verse, please. I'm trying to get to this and I'm going to be done. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Oh, my goodness. Um, th th this is really, I think this is said to liberate us. I think this scripture was actually said to liberate us from the pressure of feeling like we have to find a mantra, the right combination of words. And so there are people who, and actually what Jesus was talking about here is the hypocrites actually followed oriental custom. They followed oriental custom and they chanted in the orient. They would chant and they would summon all of the false gods through their chanting. And now Jesus says to his listeners here, uh, you, you don't have to work yourself up and chant your way into an answer. He says, in fact, you, you don't even have to go waste a bunch of time trying to inform God about your problem. Because he actually knows what you need before you approach him. Think of that. How much time do we waste trying to explain God the difficulty of all that we're dealing with and God actually knew it before we came to him? In other words, what Jesus says, let's get to it. I don't want to waste your time and you're not going to waste my time. Let's just get to it. I know what you need before you even open your mouth. How many of you have kids in here? How many claim your kids that you have? Okay. it's a better way to ask it, I suppose. Um, I won't say which one of my kids, but, but there have been times in our life where they broke something. I know because we have video cameras in the house. Who did it? And everyone's like, we don't have a clue. I remember Judah, uh, what, I think, she in here? She's probably in here somewhere. I love you, baby girl. But... No, it was Isaiah. He loved ornaments on a tree. Was it? Oh, yeah. They broke, I was going to tell the story. You want to tell it? No. Was it Isaiah? It was Isaiah. So Isaiah, are you in here, Isaiah? Where are you at? Okay. I love you, son. This is just a little stuff here we're dealing with, okay? I'm just working through this. So we have, you know me, I'm a Christmas, uh, I love Christmas, and we have a number of Christmas trees, and one Christmas tree has Disney ornaments on it, and they're all from different years, and they're all special, and Isaiah, when he was a little guy, he was infatuated with ornaments on a tree, and would just go up and start handling them, okay, and so we had to tell him, don't touch the ornament. If you touch the ornament, I will send you to another family. Don't <laughs> touch the ornament. I will, I mean, you're not going to eat, okay? You, you just don't, and so, so he would... He would, um, he, would, he would touch the ornament. And then, so one time, he touches the ornament, takes it off the tree, is handling the forbidden ornament, and, and it, he drops it and crashes to the ground. And I hear it go, <laughs> and I walked in there, and I looked at Isaiah. I said, son, you know the rules. What? did you touch the ornament for? And he said, you're not going to believe this, Dad. Four years old. You're not going to believe this, Dad. The devil made me do it. It's a true story. True story. The devil made me do it, right? I knew when I heard, listen, I knew when I heard the sound what had happened. I wasn't expecting him to blame it on the devil. I was just needing a confession. I needed a confession that, that I messed this up. And, but I already knew before he ever told me what happened, I already knew what happened. And, and some of you, listen, when you make a mess, don't run from prayer. Because the only one that can clean up the broken pieces of the ornament you dropped is the one waiting on you to come to the place of prayer and just confess it. 
He knows what you need before you ever come to him to ask him for it. And here's the good news. He's the one that knew you were going to break the ornament. He's the one that has the power to put it back together. And he's the one that loves you enough to call you when you messed up anyway. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't Jesus just so good? Now, I want to end with this. I want you to go to that Ephesians 2, 9 passage. Brian, if you'll help me, I'm going to uh, transition here. 2, 9, Ephesians 2, 9. And I want to just, I want to, I want to give you this. I know this is real basic stuff today, and I'm not, I'm not attempting to go deep, and I'm not trying to haul off and preach today. I want you to lay a foundation of prayer in your life. Don't think you've got to impress people with your words and cr- how loud you are. There are times I'm quiet. There are times I'm hollering. That God, God, Listen, the times I holler in prayer, and I don't holler. I lift my voice in prayer. The times I lift my voice in prayer, it's not because God is deaf. It's because I'm desperate. Okay, God doesn't have a hearing problem. It's not like I'm going to get louder hoping he'll hear me. He hears me whether I whisper or whether I cry out. But when I am in desperate need of him, I often pour my soul out, and it comes out in a higher volume. But this is, we're not in a competition to see who's most spiritual. So number one, we don't pray like the hypocrites. And number two, when we pray, we get, we get in our secret place. And number three, when we go into our secret place, we shut the door. And when we go into our secret place and we shut the door and we spend time with God, what happened in private translates to public grace and victory. If you hate prayer, you're doing it wrong. Prayer's always hard, you're doing it wrong. I want to just submit this last thing to you. Um, no, no, that's not it. It's 19. I'm sorry. It's 19. I said 9. I should have known that. Uh, back up to 18. I promise you it's in there. There it is. Uh, go, yes, that's it. For through Jesus, we both. Say we both. Now, Paul is here talking about the Jew and the Gentile. I don't have time to go into the depth of the revelation here that Paul is putting forth. But essentially what he is saying is there's no superiority. Jews don't get closer to God because they're Jewish, and Gentiles don't get further away from God because they're Gentiles. Both of us, both Jew and Gentile, have access to God. And this is important for, prayer should never be reduced down to a formula or some equation, okay? But I do think it is important to understand the theological underpinnings of prayer because I have been asked as a pastor do I pray to God do I pray to Jesus do I pray to the Father do I pray to the Holy Spirit who do I pray to and Jesus teaches us something in Matthew chapter 6 Jesus says when you pray when actually he said yes when you pray pray it like this he's not saying this prayer is a magic formula okay and I know that football teams kneel down, isn't it great? Football teams, I was on a football team, high school, we grew up, we all prayed the sinner's prayer. Everybody, nobody was saved, I don't think, in the, on the football team, but everybody's praying the Lord's prayer. You know, we're doing the, the whole thing. Our Father, which, as, as if it were some sort of uh, magic formula. Our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And, you know, we're, we're hollering and cussing and slapping people. And, no, never mind. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So... So the Lord's Prayer, as it has become called, is really not a mantra, it's a model. The prayer is not a formula that is guaranteed to work because I've known people who prayed two or three word prayers and moved heaven. The thief on the cross said a very simple, remember me. So it's not about how many words you say and how long you stay there. And the beautiful thing about prayer is when you stop worrying about how long you're there, you stay longer. Never mind. He says, watch this, our Father, not my Father, our Father. Why is that important? Because you must always understand your prayer life in context with the body. Why is that important? Because there are people in this church and other churches who would actually use prayer time to approach God to take, asking God to take his revenge out on other people in the kingdom of God. And God says, no, 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 when you come to me, you don't get to pray, my father. Remember, he's all of our daddy. Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, here's the, the point. 
the point of this scripture, and I want you to see this today, I believe you can talk to Jesus. I don't think there's anything wrong with you talking to Jesus. I don't think there's anything wrong with you talking to the Holy Spirit. There have been times I say, Spirit of God, help me. Give me wisdom here. There have been times I say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I do that every day. But I want you to understand why prayer works. It's actually legal. It's legal. It's not just, okay, God's listening. No. You and I were separated by sin from God. So Jesus came as an mediator between God and man and he paid the price so that we could have access to God access to God for salvation and access to God thereafter every time you come to God to talk to God I believe you are coming watch to the father by the son through the son pardon me through the son by the spirit Jesus never prayed to himself and he never prayed to the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's just a couple of times in in scriptures where Jesus was ever prayed to. One of them is the thief on the cross. When we pray, we are talking transactionally and legally. We we are claiming promises. This is a whole other message. Claiming promises for ourselves that are legally ours because we come to God the Father. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. So he's talking to the Father. And now we have, through Jesus, access to the Father, and we come by the Holy Spirit. And we make our petition known. So if you want to get real legal and technical, you don't have to be legal and technical. If you talk to God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to me, it, it doesn't matter who you're talking to. But if you want to get technical and legal, you must understand something. You have access to the Father who has everything. And the reason you have access to the Father is because the Son, Jesus, has allowed you to come to the Father through his blood. What my point is, according to Hebrews chapter 4.14, you actually get to come boldly to the throne of grace. You do not come tiptoeing and walking on eggshells and, oh my God, do you know what I did yesterday? He knows! And yet he says, come to me. Come to me. When you sin, come to me. Don't, 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 don't run from me. Come to me. When you fall, when you make a mess of it, when you do something really dumb, when you, make, when you, just, when you just get all your ducks out of a row and you, you think, i got to wait a couple of days and i gotta, I got to get more religious before I come back to God. God says, no, don't do that. He says, come to me just like you are. You come through the blood of Jesus Christ by the person of the Holy Spirit and you wind up standing in the very throne room of God. God and you say pastor I have no legal right to be here I failed and Jesus says yes you did but my on your worst day if you have faith in Christ your righteousness is listen you're on your best day your righteousness is as filthy rags but on your worst day if your faith is in Christ you are still covered in the blood and when you come into the throne room of grace you are able to get help from God and come boldly it doesn't mean you come arrogantly it doesn't mean you come haughty it doesn't mean that if you sin you prance in like there's no responsibility and no weight of sin on your heart but what it does mean is you do not let the enemy whisper in your ear and tell you you cannot be heard in heaven because heaven does not hear you based on your own merit. Heaven heaven hears you because you're washed in the blood of the Lamb and the Spirit of God is within you. And Paul says in the book of Romans, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the Spirit of God has enabled us to open up our mouth and cry, Abba! Abba, Father! There is a legal reason why God hears you when you pray. Jesus has paid the price. When you come into the presence of the Father, you make your petition known. You don't say, I don't know. You're his child. I went, took the boys to see a movie last night. Took the girls to see a movie. I don't ever get to see two movies in one Saturday. You know, most of the time on Saturday, I'm rolling around in the floor. Oh, I need a sermon. Jesus, give me a sermon. Give me the word for tomorrow. I already had the word. I said, we're going to go see, what was the movie? The dog movie. Oh, it was a train wreck. Jesus, I cried like a baby. Oh, my God. And then I went and took the boys to see uh, Bumblebee, Bumblebee. We go up to the popcorn line. 
You know, somebody ought to be thrown in jail for how much movie places charge for popcorn. It's unbelievable. I could buy 12 boxes of popcorn for that. But we go up to, we go up to the line. We go up to the line to get some popcorn and some water. Because we're healthy. Do you want extra butter? Yes, and give me water too, because I'm going to be healthy and bad all at the same time. So we go up, and little Zion, she breaks out her purse. Daddy, I have some cash. I can pay for this. Put your money away, baby. You're with Daddy. And when you go to the movies with Daddy, Daddy buys the popcorn. And then she saw how much it was. She said, get the popcorn, Daddy. Get the popcorn. You can get the popcorn. If you want to get the popcorn, you want some popcorn? My dad's getting popcorn. My dad, you want some? And then we go to the we go to the Bumblebee movie at night, and little, little Jeremiah, little Isaiah. Jeremiah's been working at Chick-fil-A. Jesus knows Chick-fil-A, yes. And he breaks out his wallet. Daddy, I'll get my own. Uh, what are those things we got? Sour, sour patches. Sour patches. I'll get my own sour patches. I'll get my own drink. You know, we're working now. We, we're going to spend our money, Daddy. We'll show you I can do this. I said, baby, put your money up. You with Daddy. I'm going to pay for it. He saw how much the sour patches was. He said, get the sour patches, Daddy. Just, you, you go If you want to do that for me, you go ahead and get the sour patches. How many know it's really good just to spend some time with Daddy? He'll take care of the popcorn. He'll take care of the sour patches. I feel the Lord on me right here. He'll take care of the healing of the body. He'll take care of peace in the house. He'll take care of the financial provision you've been waiting on. Just spend some time with daddy. Just spend some time with daddy. Jeremiah, I could tell stories all day. Two nights ago, he leaves his Jeep parked out in the driveway. Nobody can get into the garage. So I couldn't get out. I said, I'm taking the Jeep. I took the Jeep down to Walgreens, run it on empty. <laughs> so what did I do? Pulled it right into the gas station, filled it up. Yesterday he comes in the house, Mama, somebody filled my gas tank up with gas. As if an angel did it or something. I mean. So you know what happened last night? I come home, guess where the Jeep was? In the parking lot. Right there in the middle. I thought, oh, I see what he's doing now. Here's the point. Just spend some time with Daddy. Spend some time with the Father. Well, I don't know how long I'm going to pray. It don't really matter. Every moment. It's bliss. And when you get to come in, you don't have to worry about your resume. And if you deserve to be there, the question is, do you trust Jesus as Lord? If you do, you come to the Father through the Son. And I feel it right now. By the Holy Spirit. And if you get into a place of prayer and you feel like, what do I say? Let me, let me help you here. Just relax. The Holy Ghost will actually perfect your prayers for you. And by the time they get to the Father, He'll have it all cleaned up. The greatest statement for me out of the Signs and Wonders Conference was one by my friend Alexander Pagani. He said these words, God knows what you meant to say. Isn't that wonderful? God knows what... Now, words are important and you have a responsibility to use them wisely. But when you're praying and you feel like, I just don't know what to say. And then you feel like, maybe it's coming out wrong. God knows what you meant to say. Stand with me.